So this morning we'll continue in Acts chapter 17, and I'll be reading from verse 22 to the end, and we're in our in part four, our final truth of the Christian story, and Lord willing, we start with chapter 18 next Sunday. So I'll be reading from Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel the way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The time of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed. Among them also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lovely passage, which is there to encourage us and help us to witness the truth, to tell the Christian story to the lost world. Thank you that your word is always there to guide us and direct us and to give us understanding and knowledge so that we can live out our lives, our Christian calling in a way that pleases you and honours you. But help us now, Father, to come and listen to the final truth which we can add to our final chapter of the Christian story. So we can go out there with boldness, as a bold witness for Jesus, and tell our friends and our neighbours the Christian story. And Father, yes, we know you don't force us out there, but when the opportunities arise, when those doors open, are we ready, are we prepared to give the hope of the hope that is in us? Will we tell of the truth? So help us now, Father, to listen, help me to be clear, and help us to, to enjoy you and to glorify and honour you as we walk with you in this world. Help us to trust you 
Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to hold fast the gospel of truth. Help us to hold fast the, the confession of our faith. Help us to keep believing and keep believing and trusting in Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in us and helps us. Thank you how he illuminates the scriptures and teaches us the truth. So Father, please help me now to be faithful, to be understood and to be clear. But help us all to listen, to be encouraged, to be strengthened and to be bold for Jesus. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think of witnessing, and I was reading around and I thought I would go to an old, not an old saint, but he is an old saint in one sense, Dr. Lloyd-Jones. And just reading in a book called Knowing the Times that he wrote and looking at the gospel truth. What is the gospel? And, and, and just reading and, and actually agreeing with him because he says the object of witness Telling the Christian story is to put people right with God. It's not about telling them which, which, obviously it's important. It's not simply to get them to live another way of life. But that will come. But when you take the Christian story, the object is to, is to bring them to God so they can be reconciled to God. To, to put them right with God so that they can be in a right relationship with God. You don't do that. God does that. Repentance belongs to God. Salvation is unto the Lord. Our responsibility is just to drop the story in front of them. Explain it. Share it. Like planting the seed or watering the seed. But the growth belongs to God. we got no, um, what's the word? We, we, we don't have any power, we don't have any authority to save people. We cannot save people. We just need to sow the seed. And the object of witness is to tell the Christian story to put people right with God. And this is what I've been doing. I've been giving us chapters since the 2nd, the 2nd, the 9th, the 16th, and now the final chapter, the 23rd, which is to do with the final judgment that is the urgency to tell the christian story because there's a day that god has appointed for jesus to return that's why we tell the christian story because there's a day of judgment that's going to happen at the consummation at the restoration when the world comes to an end there is going to be an end the complete end so we've looked at from chapter 17 verses 22 to 34 We've, we've looked at already three truths, or we can say three chapters, to help us to know what the Christian story is, to help us witness the Christian story with boldness and effectively and truthfully. We've looked at, in verses 24 to 25, the truth about God. He's the creator God. So that chapter could be creation. Then we looked at, in verses 26 to 29 the second truth which is about humanity humanity in rebellion humanity rejecting god caught up in idolatry that's all what paul saw in athens was idols more idols than people at times and huge statues 
Not just little things that you can put on your, on your, on your um, mantle. And then the third truth was the truth about repentance. And that chapter could be called redemption. And we looked at that. I'll just touch briefly on it this morning. And then move into our fourth truth, which is to do with final, ju- final judgment, which is tied up in the consummation. And the question I've asked us all along is, do we know the Christian story? But hopefully we do know it better now. And when this sermon is over, we will know it even better I encourage you to listen to the 2nd, the 9th, the 16th. Make some notes. Get a Christian story in your mind. Starting with creation. Going to the fall. Going to redemption. Going to the consummation. Again, it's not the secret story. It's a story to help meet the person where they are in their walk. If they're an atheist, you start with God. If they're a Christian that, that, that has funny ideas, or not a Christian, but a religious person that has funny ideas of Jesus and the Bible, well, you can start with Jesus' redemption. Or you can start with sin, the fall. So it's not a story where you have to start it with the beginning and go through these four chapters. No, you, you, you ask people questions, and then you meet them where they are. Ask them questions. Jesus says it's not what man puts into his mouth, but what comes out of his heart. And that tells you exactly what, where the person is. I've quoted this over and over. This is the fourth time I'm quoting this quote, this beautiful quote that someone said, Paul's message here on Mars Hill, here in um, Areopagus, this message on Mars Hills calls us to repentance and a new life and challenges us to proclaim our Saviour to others that they might enter into life in Him. So they don't have to face judgment. But the purpose is to glorify God and honour Him. To be in a right relationship with God. And now they can walk in a manner worthy of their calling. They can honour Him, bear fruit in every good work. Because when we save, the life that we should live in God is a godly Christian life. Someone said, one of the most compelling testimonies a Christian can give is that of a righteous, holy, self-giving, godly life. Living the Christian life sincerely and genuinely. Not perfectly. Asking people to forgive you is living the Christian life sincerely and genuinely. Because we live in a fallen world and we will sin and we will stumble. But we work at not stumbling by going to the scriptures so they can sanctify us and and help us. But if we are shining our light, then there will be the opportunity for people to ask for the hope that is in you. Scripture says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. If you know the story, then make sure you come with respect and gentleness to those people. Because some of them are not going to believe straight away. Don't say to them, which I've said to my brother in the past, Oh, you're a fool. Can't you see the truth? No, the God of this age has blinded their mind. So, so be, be patient. Be gentle. Respect people. And I know election is such a beautiful word. And election is what's needed. And, and when, when people, and if you go to someone and they don't repent or they don't believe, that doesn't mean they're not elected. Don't give up. 
Don't say, oh, he's not one of the chosen one, I'll go to someone. No, five years' time, that same person can repent. Because Paul says, I'll go around proclaiming the gospel for the sake of the chosen. We don't know who they are. We don't know who they are. So if we live in godly lives, we, we will tell the story. We've commanded to tell the story. We've heard that, that we must... If someone asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, tell them. Give defense of the gospel. And we must also take God's word. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies. That we may proclaim the excellencies of who? Of him, Jesus, who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's light of the world. That light has come to shine in our dark hearts, to give us the light, give us the knowledge of the light so we can walk with our eyes opened. I think we're going to close with amazing grace. And what amazing grace is the gospel of truth. And the God of the Bible has sent his church into the world to tell the Christian story, the truth about him, that's about God, and about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a story about God and His Son. It's about life and death. But do we know the Christian story? Are we telling the Christian story? We'll put it this way. Are we taking up the opportunities that arise to tell the Christian story? I'm not saying you must go out there and force the Christian story into someone's life. No, that's not what I'm saying. But God opens doors. He gives us opportunities. And that's when are you ready, are you prepared to speak the truth in love with a tender heart, doing it with respect and gentleness, and leaving salvation up to the Lord. He will save that person, not you. But before we move into our fourth truth, let's just recap on our, on our third truth. And that truth is repentance. And it's off, that's what we often leave out of our story, is repentance. We always tell someone, you must believe in Jesus. He died on the cross to forgive your sins, believe, and you're saved. But why am I believing? What am I turning from? What am I leaving behind? What is going on that I need this Jesus? And, and, and repentance is basically what means that we have to turn from something, and that is sin, to God. And the way to God is through Jesus. So that's why I kind of bring this repentance in verse 30. We have to repent. is because it fits in the third chapter, redemption. If we turn from sin, who are we turning to to believe? Well, we turn to Jesus, our Redeemer. Because Jesus is the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. So if we repent and turn from sin... And to God, how do we get to God? How do we get to God our Father? How does God become our Father? Well, it's through Jesus. God our Father, in, in Colossians, it says this, God our Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There it is. God our Father has delivered us through who? Through His Son, in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Jesus, or God through Jesus Christ, provides redemption for us. Now, obviously, you would know more about this redemption if you've listened to part one, creation, and part two, the fall. Humanity in rebellion, to see that we are sinful. 
that we are separated from God. We need to be in a right relationship with God, which comes through redemption. So go back and listen to that part two on the ninth. But redemption is important because when we think of redemption, we think of Jesus redeeming us out of bondage to sin. We have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. Because Jesus' righteousness is imputed to us. And how is God going to judge the world? In righteousness. Whose righteousness are you wearing today? Self-righteousness, your own? Maybe it's unrighteousness, or maybe it is truly Jesus' righteousness. Because the Jesus has come as our Redeemer. And when we speak of, of redemption coming through Him, the idea of ransom should come to our mind. And, and the ransom is a price paid for something. Like when there's a kidnap, you give that person a ransom to, get that, to free that person from, from being kidnapped. And Jesus paid the ransom to free us from being in, in bondage or in captivity of, of sin. Because he himself said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Many that are called through him to his Father. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. Or the price was paid through him. It was paid by him. His death on the cross. Jesus died as a substitute. For sinners like us. I think we sang, yeah, if I can, if you don't mind, check. I won't destroy your notes. Sabotage. Um, He took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. And he bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. And with the ransom in glory, his face I at last shall see. If we should break out and say, how marvellous, how wonderful is our story. He bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. So now that we know who our Redeemer is, now that we know we need redemption, this is when that verse 30 of Acts chapter 17 verse, um, or Acts chapter 17 verse 30 comes into play. Because he commands all people everywhere to repent. God grants repentance. It's not a human work. And it's an inward turning from sin. And now we know who we can turn to. Jesus, our Redeemer. Because it's through Him we are reconciled and put in a right relationship with God. And God becomes our Father. And we can hallow His name. And we can worship Him in spirit and truth here this morning. And when we turn from our sins, we turn in from idolatry, we turn in from whatever worldview we're holding on to, and we follow Christ. We deny ourselves, we take up our cross daily, and we follow Him sincerely and genuinely, denying ourselves. Pushing away from temptation, pushing away from the sins. 
That's how the church of Thessalonica was saved. It was saved through the preaching of the word. Paul brought the word to Thessalonica. And it says here in chapter 1, verse 5, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And then you go down to verse 9, And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come, from the final judgment. What turned them to God from the idols was the message, was a Christian story, was Paul bringing the gospel. And the gospel is about Jesus. It's His works, His words. It was Jesus and the resurrection. You can read that in Acts chapter 17, when he went to Thessalonica and how he preached Jesus and the resurrection from the scriptures. So that, that third truth is important. People need to know about repentance. Because the Christian story is, yes, it's about redemption, but it's also a story about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Like someone said, faith and repentance are like two sides of a coin. You can't have the one without the other. Faith and repentance are birthed together when you see the love and mercy of God for you in Jesus Christ alone. Now we come to our fourth truth. And now we see why to repent is so important. And the fourth truth to help us to know what the Christian story is, is the truth about final judgment. And we see that in verse 31 of Acts chapter 17. You might be sitting here this morning and say, well Mark, you know, how does this message encourage me? Well, firstly it can encourage you to take the message out there with, with, with more confidence and boldness. And it can also encourage you to see where God has brought you from. Dead in your sins. Unworthy of His grace. That you don't deserve anything if you go back to the fall and see what happened in the fall. And then He comes with redemption. And how His Son died for you. He took the, the penalty upon the cross. Our sins and nailed them to the cross. We should have all been hanging on that cross. We all deserve death. No one here is worthy to be alive in Christ. If you say, oh, then I think you've misunderstood the gospel. Or you might be a Pharisee and have a self-righteous attitude. So that should encourage you, both ways, to, to go and share the story and to see, wow, I need to embrace this truth. I need to embrace this cross. Because it humbles you when you go to the cross. So we can see the final judgment in our fourth chapter as well, which is consummation and restoration. Because there will be a time in history when God will bring everything to perfect end with the coming of Christ. When? I don't know. But I can tell you, it is soon. That's all I can say. Soon could be a day, a month, a thousand years. But He's coming soon. And when He comes... He'll bring everything to a perfect end with Himself. The resurrection of the dead, 
There's the final judgment, which we'll hear now. There's the division of humanity, either to heaven or to hell. And then there's the inauguration of the new creation, ruled over by Christ Jesus and His redeemed people. All who have repented and put their faith and trust in Him as their Redeemer, because redemption comes through Him. Everything will be brought to the proper end by the sovereign power of God. No more sin, no more pain, no more death, no more sickness. Every eye is dry and every tear is wiped away. And that sums up the fourth chapter, the consummation, restoration. And aren't we longing for that? No more tear, no more pain, no more suffering. But in that consummation is the final judgment. When Christ will return, the righteous judge, to judge humanity in righteousness. Now you might be thinking, where did Paul get this idea from? Well, this is what is said in one of the Psalms. Psalm 96, verse 13. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. He's talking about the coming of Jesus, the Son of God. And he would have heard through the apostles, through Peter and through John, who were taught by Jesus himself, because Jesus said that he is the one appointed by God to be judged over the living and the dead. Final judgment is serious. Are we concerned about family and friends that haven't heard the gospel? Are we, are we thinking about final judgment as we walk with God through this world? Does that stir us up to, to maybe go and tell them this beautiful Christian story? Because where are you living the Christian life? Not in the church only, not in your home only. You're living the Christian life everywhere out there, in the school, in the restaurants, in the shops, in your workplaces, in the community, next door to your neighbour, people in your street. That's where you're living the Christian life. And your testimony is so important. I was listening to someone yesterday and he said, if, 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 if I went to your neighbour and I just asked him one question, Tell me, what is this neighbour like? What would he say about us? Would we be any different to him? Because we should be living a crew. We should be the salt and light. Not, not perfectly. I'm not talking about being perfect. We, we sin. We mess up. We're not turning this book into a perfectionism and, and let me become self-righteous. But what would our neighbours say about us? Our character? Our godliness? So we... we, we we have a story. And, 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 and we know that there is a final judgment. And we know that that man that's coming to judge the world in righteousness is Jesus Christ alone. By a man whom God has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. That is proof that God has approved of him, of his life, the perfect sacrifice, and he's going to be the judge of the world. That's why 
briefly Paul said when he walked around was I passed along and observed the objects of your worship I found also an altar with this instruction to the unknown God what a wise man he says what therefore you worship as unknown this I'm going to tell you he doesn't start by saying hey you guys are you stupid why are you ordering why are you worshiping these idols they're dead look there's no life, no breath. I can, they don't talk to you. They don't hear you. He doesn't insult them. There's respect and gentleness and love and kindness. And he comes in. Now I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. That's why he starts with creation. You are created in the image of God. In God's likeness. How can you create something that is, that is not even personal? It's unpersonal, impersonal. So he starts with creation and he wants to point them to the Creator God who created everything, who gives us everything, who sustains everything. Not the idols, the idols of farming or the idols of the weather or the idols of the season. There were thousands of idols. And then he tells them about humanity. That God created Obviously, there's a fall, there's sin. This is why you are caught up in your idols. And he tries to steer them back to God as well. And then he comes in with, tells them to repent. And now he's telling them, you better repent. We don't know the full story. This is just what Luke is writing to us. We don't know exactly what Paul said. How much did he flesh it out? Did he flesh it out before that? In verse, um, if you look back at verse 18, some of the Epicurean and some of the Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. There's so much more that we, we don't know what... Paul said. But he started at the beginning with creation, with sin, with redemption, and now he brings them back to the consummation, the final judgment. There's a day that God has fixed to judge the world in righteousness by man Jesus, whom he has appointed. And the reason why that is so important, because Hebrews 9, 27 tells us, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes... After that comes judgment. Judgment. You don't go to hell and you have an opportunity to repent. When Jesus comes and he arrives, that is it for repentance. You can't say, but no God, I was just about to repent. Oh no, I was stupid. That story, I should have repented. I was going to. You just arrived too soon. It's too late. It's too late. When that ox door was shut, it was shut. You were shut out. Judgment. And look at the flood. That is judgment. Look at what happened in the, in the wilderness where, where, where God was driving out the Canaanites and driving out all those that weren't worshipping. That is a sign of judgment. That should stir us up to want to tell people the story. Because final judgment is coming. And it's coming soon. And Jesus will judge us soon. But we need 
to be clothed in righteousness. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need, we need righteousness. That's why the greatest need is the gospel. The gospel of Christ. The Christian story to go out there. And the, and the, and the place where we look for where God's righteousness is most powerfully demonstrated is on the cross. Jesus, the righteous man, dies for the unrighteous man to bring us to his Father. And Scripture tells us, as well in Romans 5.19, for as by the one man disobedience, the many were made sinners. That was first Adam. And by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. That's the last Adam, the second Adam, Jesus. So people, if you want to say Adam and Eve's a myth, how do you explain this in Romans? See, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And when Jesus comes to judge the world in righteousness, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because it's a righteousness that comes from him when we repent and put our faith in Christ. A righteousness that is imputed to us and we are counted righteous. We are counted or declared right before God. When we believe, we are right before God. We become a friend of God. It's amazing. We were an enemy. We were alienated. We were dead in our sins. As soon as you repent and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit causes that to happen in your heart, because faith is a gift, you're a friend of God. So then walk as a friend. Treat him as a friend. Love him as a friend. Honor him as a friend. And, and, and as, as we come to an end, we, we see that, again, when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Some people will mock us. Some people will verbally persecute us. Some people will verbally make fun of us. Sometimes not to your face. You might hear through a friend, Hey, I heard you speaking to Johnny. This is what Johnny said about you. What are you going to do? Are you going to like phone him up and vengeance is no, just leave it. You've struck a nerve. There's, there's the unseen. The unseen is when we take the Christian story and God works in a mysterious way through his word in the hearts of those people. That's the unseen. And the seen is the result when God eventually saves them. Will we trust the story? Because look, some people mocked Paul. Some people made fun of him about the resurrection. But, and some wanted to hear him again. That's amazing. That person might say, yes, Mark, I want a coffee. I want to listen again. I want to hear what you have to tell me. Slower this time or in more detail. Or can I ask you questions? Yes. Go, take that person out for coffee. But there are some that believed. There was Dionysius, the Arabogite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. That's the power of the gospel. That shows Paul was never ashamed of the gospel. 
because it's the power of God for salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. If you're ashamed of the gospel, ask God to forgive you. Repent. Ask Him to make you bold. And then with the measure of your faith, you can witness to people. Start with family. Start with your children. They need to hear the gospel story and they need to hear it. They need to see it lived in your own life as well. So will we take the Christian story, share the story about God and His Son, Jesus Christ, which is about life and death? Will we look at these four truths? The truth about God, the truth about humanity, the truth about repentance, and the truth about final judgment. Will we look at this story? Will we embrace the Christian story? Will we become faithful and bold with this Christian story and be challenged to go out and share it? Because again, we just have to look to the cross. There, Jesus died for us. The righteous and the unrighteous to bring us to His Father. Not so we sit around and do nothing. So that we can, be, that we can go out there and tell the Christian story. But remember, when you believe and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. Power will come upon you. Power not to go move mountains and to roll cars and to, to make fun of people. No. Power to, to be bold. Power to be kind. Power to be self-controlled. Power to be gentle. Power to love the unlovely. And love through their ridicule. Love through their mocking. That is the power to remain patient with people. To be gentle. To show respect. Because it's easy to lose it with someone. It's easy to get upset with someone. For us who are saved, the story is so simple, isn't it? Why can't they just get it? They can't, because the God of this age has blinded their minds. And God needs to save them, not us. He, the Holy Spirit, needs to bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ, to see the truth and to grasp the knowledge of Christ Jesus. So will we go there, in the power, in the Holy Spirit, with full conviction, will we go and take the stories. Tell the Christian story so people can turn to God from their idols and serve and worship the true living God. Let's pray. Father, we first thank you for this passage. Father, we know this is not going to be an easy task. It's not easy. Because you've said in your word, Paul has already told us, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. We have a hard story. We have a foolish story to tell. But we have received the Holy Spirit who gives us the power, who gives us the strength, who gives us the knowledge, who helps us to make known the truth. So Father, please forgive us if we're not telling the Christian story. Forgive us if we... If there are times we're ashamed of the gospel, if there are times we shy away from it, be merciful to us, Father. But I pray that we would embrace the Christian story, that we would become bold Christian to tell the Christian story. So, Father, help us. Someone on the line, someone told us the story. Someone even helped us understand the story. 
Someone even made the story even clearer to us. So Father, we know faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. And we see this in Acts. As they preached, so people were saved. And we thank you for salvation that comes from you alone. We thank you for the power of the gospel that is there to save. And thank you that you've called us to be your holy instruments, to go out there and to tell the Christian story. Help us not to be, help us not to complicate it. Help us not to be, to be arrogant, nor ignorant. Help us just to be humble. Help us to keep it simple. And help us always to point people to Jesus Christ, their Lord and Saviour, through the story, to the cross. Behold the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us, Father. But mostly forgive us. This world is so desperate for help. And the only thing, only thing that can help them is really the gospel. The police aren't going to help us. The government aren't going to help us. The army is not going to help us. But we know that our greatest need and hope will be found in the gospel of Christ. Once we're back in a right relationship with you, Father. Have mercy upon us, please. Pray not this all in Jesus' name. Amen.